We continue this mini-series in the Gospel of Matthew, reading today from chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. I invite you to open your Bible or a pew Bible for the reading of Scripture, and that will be found in the pew Bible on page 808, 808 in the pew Bible. Let us ask the Lord whose Spirit breathed out this word and preserved it for us in Holy Scripture to breathe upon us afresh that we might receive his word in faith. Let us pray. Almighty, gracious, dear Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus, and for his sake, that you will split open the heavens and send the Holy Spirit to descend upon us afresh, to open our ears and to open our hearts so that we might hear your voice speaking to us from heaven through your word in Holy Scripture. And grant us the grace to receive all the promises of the gospel through faith in him who loved us and gave himself up for us, our Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ our Lord, who together with you, O Father, and the Holy Spirit, is to be praised and adored now and forever. Amen. Let us hear the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage records an event in history which makes all the difference in eternity. I want you to pay close attention and I want you to watch what happens. I want you to see it in your mind's eye. I want you to enter into this passage, into this scene, making a holy use of your imagination. I want you to see it happening as though you were there. John the Baptist is standing in the River Jordan, clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. With the sun in his face and the wind in his hair and fire in his eyes, he is the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is announcing the coming of the kingdom through the coming of the king, the Messiah, whose sandals, he says, he is not worthy to carry. He is announcing the coming of the King, the Messiah, who will be both Savior and Judge, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That is, a baptism that will not merely wash dirt from the body, 
but will actually purge sin from the hearts of those who receive Him. But those who reject His kingship will suffer the fire of His judgment. For, says John the Baptist, He will gather His wheat into the barn, but the chaff He will burn with unquenchable fire. To prepare the people for the coming king, John the Baptist, that last of the Old Testament prophets who appears on the first pages of the New Testament. John the Baptist called people to repentance, public repentance, visibly signified by baptism, an Old Testament washing for purification from sin. Matthew tells us that Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And that's where you come in now. I want you to see yourself standing there in that stinking crowd of sinners. And as you look around, you can see those who have gathered at the river. Money-grubbing tax collectors, pilfering slaves, gluttons, drunkards, 'er ne'er-do-well trash. Prostitutes, adulterers, and the smug, self-righteous, holier-than-thou religious rule keepers, whom John called the sons of serpents. As you look around, you realize there's plenty of sin to go around. Just hope there's enough water. Now freeze that frame and hold that thought and listen now to what the Bible says. Jesus came to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. Do you see him? You see him? He's working his way through the crowd. He's stepping into the water. He's going up to John the Baptist to be baptized. What's wrong with this picture? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Matthew tells us it didn't make any sense to John the Baptist. He said, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? John had a point, didn't he? Jesus was the one for whom John had been preparing the people. The king of the kingdom of heaven, whose sandals John wasn't worthy to carry. And furthermore, did Jesus need to repent? Did Jesus have sins to confess? Did Jesus need spiritual cleansing? What's going on? What did Jesus' baptism mean for him, and what does it mean for us? And more personally, what does it mean for you? Not even John the Baptist really understood what was going on in that moment. It seemed upside down, backwards. Jesus should have been the one to baptize him. But, But Jesus said to him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Well, I speculate that John the Baptist at that moment 
didn't really know, didn't fully understand what Jesus meant by that. But he got the point. Jesus had been called by God the Father to submit to John's baptism. Somehow, for some reason, this was important. A necessary thing to do. In order to fulfill God's plan and purpose for the bringing of the kingdom. In order to fulfill all righteousness. Now, more about that in a moment. But right now... What I want you to do is I want you to make a holy use of your imagination. And with your mind's eye, I want you to see Jesus standing there in the Jordan with John. And then I want you to take a panoramic view of the crowd there on the the bank. And I want you to see all those people there. All those people whose lives have been broken and bruised and messed up and afflicted. By the self-inflicted wounds of their sins. People whose hearts have run out of hope. People whose religion is nothing more than dirty rags. And there you are. You are one of them. And so am I. And there from that vantage point of that stinking crowd of sinners. I want you to see Jesus standing in the water. With John, why? Why him? There can be only one answer. Jesus is not there for his sake. Not for his need. But for yours and mine. Just a moment ago, he had been standing in this crowd... One of us. He had arrived, in fact, without any great fanfare. He had stood shoulder to shoulder with us and milled about among us. And now he stands before us. For us. Isn't that what you and I need? Isn't that our greatest need? A gracious and merciful God who will come down from heaven and get right in the midst of the muck where you stand in all your sinfulness and say to you, I am here with you. And I am here for you. And I am giving myself to you. And I am taking upon myself all your sins and I will wash them away and clothe you with my righteousness. That is exactly what God the Father sent His beloved Son into the world to do. And in His baptism, the first public act of His ministry, the inauguration of His public ministry, this is where it begins. In this act, Jesus completely identified Himself with us sinners. There it is. That's the point. By submitting himself to John's baptism, Jesus identified himself with us sinners. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said, which Matthew quotes? His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. There he is. In the River Jordan, our Emmanuel with us. With us sinners.
He was not ashamed to be identified with us. Though he was and is equal with God, he made himself nothing. He made himself of no reputation. There he is, the eternal, glorious, sinless Son of God with us. He made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself in order to be identified with miserable sinners such as you and I. As the prophet Isaiah spoke, he was numbered with the transgressors. He came out of that crowd of sinners to be baptized by John. That was the first act of his ministry. And the last act of his ministry on earth was that he was crucified between two criminals. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of a full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and he proved it from the beginning to the end of his earthly ministry. You remember that one of the worst epithets that the Pharisees hurled at Jesus was friend of sinners. Friend of sinners. Jesus' baptism shows us that he was indeed the friend of sinners. The best friend that we could ever have. Now, I know the story of an attorney who used to say to his friends whenever they went on vacation, have a good time. If you get thrown in jail, call me. I'll either get you out or get in there with you. And don't you see, Jesus has done precisely that. He has gotten into the prison cell of our sins with us. In order to get us out. By going down into the water of baptism. In union with us sinners. As though he were a sinner. As the one who embodied all of our sins. Jesus shows us that he was willing to identify himself with us. Even to the point of cleansing our sins. Claiming our sins as his own. In order to cleanse us of our sins. And this he did in order to fulfill all righteousness. We're going to, now we're going to look at that phrase, fulfill all righteousness. Jesus' baptism was a foreshadowing of his death on the cross. The same principle is at work at, in both events. Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but he was. Why? To identify himself with sinners. To show that he was the one who would take our sins upon himself in order to cleanse us of our sins. And likewise, Jesus didn't deserve to be crucified, but he was. Why? Because in his identification with us sinners, in his union with us sinners, he took our sins upon himself and suffered for them as his own, voluntarily suffering the righteous wrath of God which we deserved. The cleansing of sin promised in his baptism was fully and finally accomplished on the cross. And thus by his baptism and his death, Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. He fulfilled the righteousness of God by suffering the justice of God against our sins. 
In order for the righteousness of God to be upheld, intact, with integrity, sin had to be dealt with. And so Jesus submitted himself to John's baptism, identifying himself with us, uniting himself with us in our plight, claiming our sins as his own in order to bear our sins in his own body on the tree where the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And therefore, through faith in him, in union with him, sinners are cleansed and clothed in his sinful righteousness, in his sinless righteousness. This is what the doctrine of justification by faith in Christ is all about. We discussed that at great length in Sunday school this morning. Through faith in Christ, the great exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sins. We receive his sinless righteousness. When we place our faith in Christ, our sins are washed away by his sacrificial blood. And his righteousness is freely granted to us. And we stand before the Father with him, secure in his righteousness, in peace with God. Well, let's take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and, 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 and I'm going to turn the page because I want you to tune back in because there's more. There's more. Here we go. Part two. When Jesus was coming up out of the water, three things happened. First, the heavens opened. Second, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended upon Jesus. And third, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, these three extraordinary events speak to us or show us the interworking of the divine trinity at Jesus' baptism. This is clearly Trinitarian. God the Father speaks from the opened heavens. God the Son receives the blessing of the Father. And the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, crowning him with divine wisdom and power as he begins his messianic ministry. And so you see, Jesus' baptism identified him not only with us sinners, but also with the divine trinity. You see, there's the connection. Jesus with us sinners, having come from heaven and the glory of the Father. This shows us what the scripture says. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. You see it's really true. Jesus Christ is God's way to man. The coming of heaven to earth. Our Emmanuel God with us. Now, the scripture says that the heavens were open. The Greek New Testament word there is very expressive, even violent. Schizomenos, split, schizoid. That the veil between heaven and earth was split open. Heaven opened up. I don't know what that would have looked like to the eyes of Jesus or to John the Baptist. But what God wants you to see today is this. Jesus Christ 
opens heaven for sinners who come in faith to him for cleansing. Jesus Christ is the one through whom heaven is opened wide for sinners who place their hope in him. Secondly, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. Again, it is perhaps impossible to say exactly what Jesus, perhaps John, saw. But, but what God wants us to see today is this. Through union with Christ, through faith in Christ, we receive the blessed presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. For new life in communion with God through Christ. Not only is heaven opened to us through faith in Christ. But heaven comes down to us in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Through faith in Christ we are granted not only our justification. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus. But also our sanctification. The power of God through the Holy Spirit. That we may follow Christ. Jesus was anointed and crowned with the Holy Spirit for his ministry. And likewise, he anoints his followers with his spirit so that we may be his witnesses in ministry. Third, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is the declaration of the uniqueness the one and onlyness of Jesus Christ. There is no other one who is the Father's beloved from all eternity. There is no other one in whom the Father is eternally well pleased. He is the beloved Son of God without flaw. The Father's love for Him has no measure. It is a perfect, overflowing, everlasting, divine love without beginning, without end, and without variation. But here's the point for you. The love of God the Father for His beloved Son is the love which God pours out upon sinners through His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know if the other people standing there Heard that voice from heaven. But this is what God wants you and me to hear today. The blessing that God the Father spoke upon Jesus at his baptism. Is the blessing that he speaks upon all who trust in Jesus for the cleansing of their sins. Now let me say that another way. The love and approval which God declared for Jesus at his baptism is the same love and approval which he declares to us through Jesus. I know that's hard to believe, but it is the gospel. Remember all the emphasis at the beginning of this sermon on Jesus' identification with sinners? Jesus identified with us sinners not only to suffer for our sins, but also so that we might be identified with him. In union with him. In all his belovedness and well-pleasingness to the Father. And what the Father said about Jesus, he says about those who trust in Jesus, you are my beloved. Beloved. 
With you I am well pleased. Now, I, I just, I just want to say for the purposes of clarification, no, this doesn't give us an equal status with Jesus in terms of divinity, glory, honor, power. Jesus is the one whose name is above every name. Jesus only is the eternally beloved Son of the Father. But the point is, that love which the Father has for Jesus is a love which overflows from Jesus upon all those who are in Jesus Christ through faith. It's the same love. And I know that's hard to believe, but it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you believe, can you believe that God loves you with the same love and the same degree of love with which He loves His beloved Son? You haven't really believed the gospel until you have believed that. What does the Bible say? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians, In love, he, the Father, predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, uses the exact same word referring to Jesus. He has predestined us for adoption to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God the Father has blessed us as his adopted children through his beloved son, Jesus. And so Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans... The word of God to us, you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father, dear Father. This is, this is the relationship which Jesus has with the Father to draw near to him with intimacy in perfect love and cry out, Abba, Father. And this is the, this is the the essence and the blessing of our adoption through Christ. The scripture says the spirit himself bears witness that with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are the children of God because God the Father has given his beloved son to be our brother. Do you see the love which God has for his son? He has spread abroad. He has lavished upon us, his adopted children. Through faith in Christ, in our union with Christ, we too are the beloved of the Father. That's what the Bible says. Recipients of the same love with which God the Father loves his eternally beloved son. Because through faith in God's beloved Son, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are adopted as the children of God, the brothers and sisters of Jesus. And so through Jesus, our brother, we may confidently, joyfully call God our Father and be assured of the fullness of His love, the same love, the same degree of love, 
with which he has everlastingly loved his beloved son, Jesus. I I know that's hard to believe. But it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I invite you and I call you in the name of Jesus Christ to believe it, to live by it in joy, to die in it with confidence and live everlastingly for the glory of God. Jesus, the beloved Son of God, by His baptism, identified Himself with us sinners, God with us, so that we sinners through faith in Him might be identified with Him in His righteousness and everlasting life as the beloved children of the Father. And to God alone be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the wonders of the gospel, the wonders of your love for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray by the grace of the Holy Spirit, your word would change our hearts and change our lives so that we might more truly and joyfully live as your beloved children with Jesus, our brother, in whose name we pray. Amen.